Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning out there in Blog Talk Radio land. It's been a technical, a little just exciting morning. I'll use that word. But I want to start with a powerful thought to drop into your mind this morning, and it's the past cannot be changed. The future is yet in your power. The past cannot be changed. And we do keep trying to change it. The past cannot be changed. Got to let it go and take the lessons that we learn from it with us. The future is yet in your power. And the point of power is right now. You can make a decision right now. And I'm, I'm thankful for those of you who made the choice right now to tune in to Off the Shelf. We know this is was yesterday the uh, art, book author's a day and the day this month is November National Novel Writing Month. So I hope you go out and get a great book. I'm gonna tell you about one before we start today's show that I hope you get. And then our our guest will talk to you about her novels. But I just want to tell you as far as making a powerful choice right now, you made a great choice, not just because it's National Novel <coughs> Writing Month. But you're listening to the winning book radio show, Off the Shelf, and I welcome you to this Saturday, November the 3rd show. Just want to thank you, especially to our loyal listeners. We're going into our 14th year, so I want to thank our loyal listeners who've been with us and those who might have just clicked over this morning. And as I've started our shows, and you're going to hear me change this in a little few months, When God is Glory is a book I'm working on comes out. But I want to ask you how good of a mystery sleuth are you? You know, every weekend I watch Columbo. I love love a mystery. And I remember when uh, uh, it was a a novel by Agatha Christie came out in movie format maybe about a year ago. And it happened on a train. I think it was the Orient Express. I I tried to figure out who did it before the the movie revealed it. If you're one of those people, and if you also value, then this has to be important to you to really appreciate love for over me. Do you value human relationships? I, I, not just what you for what you can get out of a relationship from somebody, and we don't go into relationships if we don't think they can benefit us in some way. If I'm with this man, I'll feel safe. If I'm with this person, I don't have to worry about my finances as much anymore. I won't have to feel as lonely. Every last one of us goes into a relationship that we think we can get something out of it. But also when you go in to give, what can you give? How can you help another person as long as you don't stay in an, in an abusive relationship? If you, if that is important to you, and not only that, but you, you're interested and how do I influence and impact other people, and you do, and how do other people influence and impact me, and they do, I think you'll love Love Pull Over Me. It's a book about a guy. He's he's from Ohio, and he's a, he's a middle-distance runner, and he is on his way to the Olympics. He's also academically very, very talented. But he comes from a troubled home. His mom left when he was two. And his dad has untreated alcoholism. That alone will stop. I mean, if it don't stop you, it's going to leave you with some 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 signs that that occurred. Other people can see something happened to you. They can see it. It'll leave some signs of it. And it does on him. But he goes to college and he meets a woman named Brenda and how we influence each other. And he also meets four friends. These are real true-to-the-bone friends. If you enjoy relationships, not only a soulmate relationship, but friendships, and if you also like mystery, because there's a murder mystery tucked in this book, I encourage you on National Novel National Novel Reading Month to go out today, right now, and get a copy of Love Pour Over Me. You can get it in ebook or print. I really encourage you to get a copy. I think you will love the book and learn a lot about not only the characters but yourself as you read Love Pour Over Me. If you don't see it on the store shelves or the library shelves, just ask the clerk to order your copy of Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney, and they can get you a copy because it's carried 
by the largest book distributors in the world. And now, let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. And our special guest this morning is Casita Jefferson. I was trying to to pull her in on the line earlier, and I, I don't know if she has stepped away, but I didn't hear anything, so I'm hoping she's ready to go. So our special off-the-shelf guest this morning is Casita Jefferson. And let me tell you a little about this phenomenal woman. Casita is a contemporary Christian author. She is a book reviewer and blogger who is the founder of Virtuous Inc. Publishing. She has a Bachelor of Applied Science in Healthcare Administration from Wayland Baptist University. And Casita is also the author of a chapter in a book we've discussed here a couple of times on Off the Shelf, and it's an anthology titled Arise from the Ashes. Title of Casita's story in Arise from the Ashes is Not Forgotten After the Storm. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord, which is from Isaiah 55, 8. And that is the scripture that is behind Casita's story, Not Forgotten After the Storm and Arise from the Ashes. Casita is also the author of the book Shades of the Books, Shades of Brown, Be Still and Know, and Timing is Everything. We are honored to have Casita Jefferson with us on Off the Shelf Book Talk Radio this morning. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Casita. And I don't know if she stepped away or... Okay, this is, this. I don't know what, what has happened. If you're on the line, Casita, would you please hang up and try to dial in again? Because I'm not, I'm not, you're not coming through through the connection. So could you please hang up if you're on the line and dial in again? Because the, the connection's not working. While Casita is hanging up and dialing in again, I want to, I want to repeat uh, the the uh, quote for this morning, and I want to tell you how important, 14 years, almost 14 years on the radio, you you have to learn how to just be, um, just go with the flow, always have a backup plan, and that's that's also in, in life. But the past cannot be changed. You don't let anything in the past stop you, but you get lessons from it. And the future is yet in your power, and the point of power is right now. So we're going to see if we can get... Casita on the line. Casita? I'm here. Can you hear me? I can hear you. You sound a little muffled, but we can hear you this morning. We want you coming through strong for off-the-shelf listeners who are excited to hear what you have to share this morning, and that's one lesson learned. Keep moving no matter what happens. Just keep going and find find a way. It is a pleasure to have you with us this morning, Casita, and I thank you for uh, uh, being patient and 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 uh, stepping out and then dialing back in. So the first few questions that I'm going to ask you this morning, Casita, I ask every off-the-shelf guest just to give our listeners a little backstory before we go right into talking about their writing and their books. So to begin, can you tell off-the-shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up? Um, okay. Well, first of all, my name is Cassetta. It's pronounced Cassetta. Uh, so we didn't get to chat earlier, so you didn't know that. Um, life Cassetta. for me, I grew up at, Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so I grew up in Las Vegas, um, Nevada, and life was normal. You know, my mom and dad, I have 10 well, there's ten of us. I have nine brothers and sisters, seven brothers and, and uh, two sisters, um, and it was it was fun. It was there was always something going on. There was always uh, something to do, and we were always in church. My mom and dad raised us in church, um, so we were always at church for something for some reason. Um, we sang in the choir. My mom played the piano. You know, we were just. You know, it was normal life for us to be always going somewhere or um, being active in our church. Okay. 
And how many siblings did you say you had? Las Vegas. There's a total of <laughs> yeah. There's a total of ten of us. I have seven brothers Ooh. and two sisters. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, I'm pulling for the girls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pulling for you girls. I'm sure you grew what? up tough. That people are probably like, oh, okay, nothing. Stop, stop. Casita, is that right? Tell me, I'm saying it right. Casetta. 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 Yeah. Okay, so Casetta, what did you dream of becoming when you were a little girl? You know, when I was a little girl, I, I really didn't. I went from being a model to being a singer to being a businesswoman, when I was about, I would say probably 12 or 13, um, I started writing um, just, you know, for fun and just, you know, it started enjoying writing for school. And probably not until I was much older in my 30s did I ever consider that I could actually be a writer and be an author. So that's when that dream came about. Oh, so you started, was there anybody in your family who was a writer? Why would you, you know, a lot of kids don't write. And some kids you have to almost force them to read a book. So what what, what, what do you think inspired you as a child to have you to actually sit down and start writing? You know, I, I, I really don't know. There was nobody in my family who was a writer, but they always encouraged me to read. And so... I used to read um, from a little girl, maybe two or three. I used to, you know, hold the books upside down and read the pictures, you know, to my siblings as they were in my cousins as they were washing their hands, getting ready for dinner. I remember doing that quite often. That was, you know, I used to look forward to that. So I was always an avid reader, um, and I think that's what kind of propelled me to write because I would read things and I would kind of, find myself finishing the story or rewriting it in my mind, you know, wanting it to be different. So I think that's what that's where it came from. Oh, okay, okay. Um and and you know what, I for for it it's interesting for going in fourteen years on off the shelf, how people got started in their writing career, and that's something for me as the host of the show, I enjoy hearing. We've had people from all over the country on off the shelf. Some just knew, some just knew that, and some it was it came as a dare, a friend daring them. I you can't write a novel, and then that's how they got started. And then some like you, it's just like the just um, almost a natural flow into it. But you started writing, you said, when you were about 13, uh, uh, from a household of 10 siblings and, only, and two girls and the rest eight, eight boys. But at 13, you started writing, but you really didn't start. How, you were in your 30s, you said, when you started on your first novel. What do you think, did you just get busy? You know, we get busy living life, and sometimes we get off our path. But what do you think did you continue to write through that whole period, or did something happen where you stopped writing and then something inspired you to pick up that pen and start using your gift again? Well, you know, I, I never thought I was quite good enough. You know, I would write little stories when I was a teenager, and somebody found it and made fun of me, and so I just stopped. I was like, well, you know, maybe it is kind of silly. So I stopped writing. And that wow, that kind of made yeah, that kind of you know made me kind of stop and think, well, maybe I'm not really good as good as I think I am. <laughs> so as I got older and more confident in what I was writing, and you know reading as much as I read and not really being able to read the story that I actually wanted to, some said, why don't you write what you want to read? And so that's where it kind of started. And you know what? That puts me in mind of that Toni Morrison quote. There's not a you don't see a book out there you want to read, then you should write that book because there's That's probably somebody right. else like you who would who would want to who would want to read that story as well. Now, cause I better say it right. Cassetta, <laughs> how did you get involved with the anthology "Arise from the Ashes"? 
Oh, well, this was kind of a, I dared myself to write it. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd known Paulette, I'd worked with Miss um, Paulette Harper, um, who was the brains behind the anthology. Um, and she kind of put it out there, and I'm like, well, there is a story that I kind of wanted to share. It's not for me. Um, you know, the Bible, the Bible says we're overcome by the power of our testimony. So the, it's been here. It's been inside me. I should share it. And so I kind of dared myself to, to do it. Um, I said, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to write it, and I'm going to get it out there before I change my mind. And so I spent a couple of days. It only took me about two days to, you know, compile all the memories and, and go through all the feelings and get it out and get it written. And I hit sin before I can change my mind. So that, that's what it really was a, a kind of a dare to myself. <laughs> oh, so you – so, but you and Paulette, how long had the two of you known each other? So that she just told you um, about, you know, I'm working on this anthology. You, you, you had known each other before, because that's not—I don't think that's the first anthology that Paulette has put out. But you—that's mm-hmm. how you, you learned about it. Well, um, she didn't tell me about it. You know, I I, I follow her because we work together. I blog. I review some of the books. Um, from her, um, from her. So you know, we kind of work together, and I know she, you know, she always puts out a good product. I've, I've read. I'm a fan first. You know, I've read some of her books, and you know, I think she's amazing. And so when I saw the post about it, I kind of thought about it, and I kept seeing it. And you know, it seemed like the same post kept coming across my feed. And um, then I emailed her for some information. She sent me some information, and. I thought, what better, what better anthology to join than one titled "Arise from the Ashes"? Given my story, mm. um, so so I, I pulled the trigger. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad that you did. Can you tell us about your story in the anthology "Arise from the Ashes" and your story? Because said a story is not for not forgotten after the storm. Could you tell us about your story? Sure. Um, my story, and I'm glad I did too. Um, it re- it was really um, healing. You know, they say that there's there's healing in the pen, and, and writers, what we do is we kind of bleed onto the page, and that's literally what happened. I um, my story is about um, life after, during and after miscarriage. I've had a series of miscarriages in my life, and I didn't really understand what God was doing and where he was taking me, what he was trying to show me. And um, it, there was a lot of hills and valleys, and um, it, it, it's basically about how he walked me through that period of time. Oh, uh, you you know what I have to tell you? Um, I worked with a lady at the College of New Jersey, and I actually was pregnant at the time. And when I very first started, and she had had like five miscarriages, and she said it's so hard. Oh. And she and her husband were going. I forget what type of um, what type of doctor they were going to see. Where she said, if you really want to take the passion out of your relationship, do that where you have to have sex at a certain time when you're most likely to be mm-hmm. ovulating and she just said, you know, she wouldn't recommend it. So she asked me, what do you think I should do? She was thinking about adopting. And I told her, I said, I, I, I said, just what I felt, don't do anything. And I said, and just enjoy each other. And I said, that's when I thought she would get pregnant. She told me she was so mad at me, she could have punched me in the face. But that's what she did. <laughs> And she went on to have three babies. Wow! I, and then not because of that, but I. It, she said the, the hard way she was trying to 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 do that. But that that lo- that loss. And then last year, that son I was pregnant with passed. So you never know what life is going to bring. But to to share our stories about this is what I've gone through to this point, and I yeah. can only imagine how many women. Your story could bless. I, I just unimaginable 
how many women your story could bless. Do you touch on, this is something for whether a woman um, loses a child uh, later in her life, such as I did, or uh, uh, is a baby's born or stillborn or miscarried. There's this guilt that comes for mothers. Mm. I don't know if fathers deal with it as well. I'm told anybody grieving tends to deal with it. Uh, what did I do wrong? I shouldn't have oh, yes. went to work. I shouldn't have went to the gym. I shouldn't have ate that. Do you touch on that in the in your story? Um, I do. I do, as a matter of fact. And I asked that very same question um, to myself. I just, was it because I had a glass of wine before I realized I was pregnant? Was it the exercise? My office at the time was on the third floor, and for exercise, I would run not walk, run up up and down the three flights of stairs. And I was like, was it the exercise? Was it all the, you know, the food that I ate? Was it, you know, was it all the coffee? I'm a big coffee drinker. So I was like, was it all the coffee? Was it the caffeine? It's none of that. It really, in my case, it was none of that. Um, it wasn't anything I ate. It wasn't anything I did. It just, it just happened. And it's something that happens to a lot of women. And once we get past the guilt of we did this or something wrong with us or we're defective in some way, the rest is the rest is cake. The hard mm-hmm. part is getting out of your own way and stop blaming yourself for something that was not your fault. And that's and that's um, I think for a mom that some of us you can it can take a, a days months some years that that guilt mm-hmm. and, uh, Charles Stanley was actually preaching about false guilt yesterday he said that oh. just it, that really burns a lot of people it's tragic how it just it can do a number on you so hopefully if if you're a mom listening to Off the Shelf, and maybe if you're not, you, you may not catch the show live today, but in the archives, I mean, the archives stay up generally indefinitely. You might come come past this show two years from now and tune in and have had a miscarriage, and something said could 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 bless you. But I would encourage you to let that false guilt go because it it can mm-hmm. really do a number on you. If you, if you hold on to it, it can really burden you down. Um, so how far along were you? And I, if any of it is like a question you don't want to answer, let me know. But how far along were you when you you experienced like your first uh, miscarriage? Okay. Well, the first one was actually an ectopic pregnancy, and it I was about I was about eight weeks maybe coming up on my eighth week. Okay. I, I my heart goes out to you. Um and how how do you honor? Do you is it something like do you honor your child? Because some people do this again, I for me when my son passed last year, I said I, I would give to like charities to help children. I want to start a scholarship in his name and I wrote a, a working on a story about him, I said I will never write another novel without a character named Gregory in it. But oh. how, how did you, is that something you did to try to help you to heal? Did you do something to try to you know I want to do this to honor my child? Um, you know I didn't for a very long time. It took me years. Um, but but how I honor my children, my miscarried children, is I I live I live every day. And I live every day to the fullest. Mm. And I have, I have so many nieces and nephews that I literally spoil rotten. <laughs> and so that's how I, that's how, that's how I honor them. Is I, I, I live my life and I live to the fullest. And I love children. Mm. What a blessing! What a blessing that you didn't go the other way and say I don't, I don't want to even be around kids because it would be, would be too fun. Uh, painful, so that's a blessing. What would you say? Uh, what did you say in in your story? Um, and again, we're talking to Casita Casita Jefferson. 
and she is the author. She has a story in the anthology Arise from the Ashes. It's available, you guys, at Amazon, and her story is titled Not Forgotten After the Storm, uh, and her story has to do with deal with miscarriages that she had. What would you say, Cassetta, and I'm so afraid to say your name wrong now, but what would you say <laughs> to a mother who was going through what you went through? What would you say to that woman who's maybe just yesterday, maybe just last week, what would you say to her? Um, I would say hold on. There's light at the end of the tunnel. There is hope for more children if that's what you decide to do is to try again. There is hope and there is there is it's gonna get better. It's it's hard right now, but it's gonna get better. Just hold on. Hold on to your faith and hold on to your hope. Yes, yeah, and that's a great message. It it just, and keep as hard as it is, because some mothers do get stuck in grief, and they can get stuck there for decades, is oh, uh, yeah. you just have to, you have to make a commitment to, as painful as it is, and I think this is the worst thing anybody could go through is lose a child, is I'm just going to keep going forward. Slowly, 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 and get support. Whether you're in a, I'm in an online support group. Just get support from people who've been through what you've been through. They've been through it. They're not talking to you from reading the Bible or, or any Absolutely. other religious book. They they've been through it. So that that's your best support. People who've been through what you're going through. They can encourage you. They can tell you about how painful or the struggles they're going through, and you can relate. And you can share things with them in a safe environment, getting that support, getting outside from, and getting out and getting some exercise, whether you take a walk or go running or swimming, getting outdoors in that natural sunlight is very good. You don't want to get to where it's been six months and you haven't walked out and stepped outside. So you want to practice self-care. Your child would want that uh, for you right. as well. Now, you, That's true. you also wrote, yes, yes, you also wrote, Timing is everything. Now, this one is piques my interest. You also wrote Timing is Everything, uh, as did your other story, but something about that title, Timing is Everything. Can you give us an overview of Timing is Everything? Sure. Timing is Everything. You know, that that one was actually written on a dare. <laughs> Somebody said, I bet you can't write a book in seven days. I bet you can't. So I did. <laughs> and that's what I wrote. It, it's a short story. Um, it's about um, high school sweethearts who've, um, who've gone through, um, you know, they, they've grown up, they've experienced life, life has happened, um, and their time, you know, he's had a crush on her, she's had a crush on him, you know, they've been in love, but not at the right time. You know, their timing has always been off. And uh, it's basically about how they manage to stay friends and how uh, if you if you just ride the wave with God, how his timing is so perfect um, that when you get to the end of the story, you'll understand why it never worked out with anybody else or why situations never quite worked out like you thought they should. Um, but you just have to hold on to get to the end of the story to to experience the perfection of God's timing. Mm. Now, why did Taryn why did Taryn take so long to let Jefferson know how he really <laughs> felt about her? Why did he take so long? You know, you know, sometimes we just don't we don't get it. You know, sometimes it's right in front of us, and we know we feel a certain way. Um, but we don't, you know, we think better is out there or it should look this way and it doesn't look this way. It looks, you know, that's not what I anticipated, that that wasn't how my Prince Charming was supposed to look, act, or that wasn't what he was supposed to be and we're supposed to be this way. You know, we get in our own way so much um, when what you need and what you desire is right in front of your face. And so the reason that she took so long is because she, you know, it just, their timing was off. She never, um, she never, you know, felt like the timing was, things were as perfect as she wanted them, you know, and she didn't think she was good enough when, you know, when 
when the time finally came, she didn't think that she was good enough. You know, we get in our own way, and and it was basically trying to show the reader, you know, sometimes kind of step out of yourself and and find what you're really looking for. Now, how much, how long, how much time did pass? Because you know, sometimes they say if you wait too long, you're gonna miss <laughs> out. Somebody else can come along and take that job, get that house. Get that relationship, you just you waited too long, or sometimes the, the timing is as a novel again, this is National Novel Writers Month is um and I hope you guys go out there and get a ton of good books. Goodness knows I love love to read, and I plan to read this weekend, but um you can wait too long to put out a book. The timing for it when maybe the interest for it is high. Or, or the market isn't saturated with that novel yet. You wait two more years, and the market may be saturated, and you won't get as many sales. Same with music, with a CD, you could be, you could come out too early, and people don't understand the work, and then it doesn't sell. Or you could come out too late, and people are tired of it because it's, the market's now been oversaturated. So all that said, when we talk about timing is everything. How much time did pass? Because, you know, I know a lot of changes happen in time. How much time did pass before? How much time passed for Tara and Jefferson for their relationship did work? In that book, I think something like 10 or 15 years had passed. Wow. Um, And sometimes sometimes you wait too long and and time runs out and you miss your opportunity. But sometimes um, you're just put on pause for a minute so you can go through things, experience some things and grow up a little bit before now you can go and experience what you, you know, what you were meant to experience. And and I feel that way about everything. And I trust, I trust God in everything. I'm a big believer in prayer and, and listening. So where I use my time for prayer and then I meditate, to, to try to listen, to see, okay, now, Lord, what do you want me to do now? So I think it's so important in order to get your timing right, not to get ahead of yourself and get ahead of God and not to not to wait too long when he's pushing you to go. It's how important it is for you to actually go ahead and do what you're supposed to be doing. Mm. Now, why is timing important? I'm, now, I'm thinking here, we know the point of power is right now. So let's say I want to do something right now, and I've seen people say, I want to start my business, so I'm going to quit my job now and go focus mm. on my business. <laughs> but then maybe the business doesn't take off. Maybe if you would have waited five more years, it would take off. But the desire is strong right now. Why is that right timing so important? And how do you know when when the time is right. Like how would Taryn and Jefferson know it's right now to take our relationship in this direction? How do you know? Well, it's, well you, you just have to trust. You have to trust your source. See, my, my source is, is God. So I have to trust that when he says go, it's time for me to go. And then you have to trust yourself, okay? When he says go, go now, start that business now, you have to just trust yourself that you're capable and you're ready. And the same goes for relationships. If if you get that unction to go, to move, that's what you have to do, and you have to trust that God has the, the situation and the timing, and it's time now. And then trust yourself because we're, we, we all have that built-in lie detector or, intu- you, you know, it's intuition or whatever you call it that says, nope, not quite not quite right, or this relationship, mm, something is not right. Go with that. Trust yourself. Trust the God in you that tells you that's not, that's not right or it's not time or now it's time. Go. So it's all about mm. trust. Okay. And to, to, so from listening to you, like with Taryn and, and Jefferson and Tom and his everything, um, Something in us generally will let us know, uh, and then that's why I think meditation and dealing with past issues, as the quote at the start of this the show said, once you get all that past junk out, you have a better, clear, 
connection to hearing from source. So you might have some, some uh, even if it's therapy, some pat be stilling and knowing to work through so that that connection, the communication from your higher self comes through with clarity. Um, can you tell us now about your book, Be Still and Know? Timing is everything, and now Be Still and Know. Yes, be still and know. That's my first baby. <laughs> that was my first book. That okay. Was me about, um, it took me about 12 years or so to, to put that out because I just, you know, it was a lot of doubt and, oh, it's not good enough, and this isn't like so-and-so's book, and so-and-so has been doing this forever. So, um, but so that was my first leap of faith, and I'm so proud of that book, Um it's about redemption in a nutshell. It's a, it's about redemption um, and how, you know, no matter what you've done, no matter your past, no matter your, you know, your mistakes, God still loves you and, and he's waiting for you to come to him. And that's basically um, the book was about her natural father waiting however long it would it would take for her to come to him and so it's the same it's the same as as our heavenly father is waiting for us you you know to to come no matter what you've done don't feel you know we were talking about guilt earlier all the guilt from the past your mistakes and it's irrelevant when you accept Jesus as your personal um lord and savior it's irrelevant. He is just waiting for you to come to him. He's going to redeem all the time that you missed, all the time that you may have lost or may have think you lost. He's just waiting. Now, why did Kai, why why did she, and it's interesting when you talk about her father was waiting for her, you would think maybe the other way around. Why did Kai attract to abusive relationships, stand in this self-punishment cycle, for years, um, you know, she felt it, it's guilt. You know, guilt. She was feeling like she didn't deserve any better, um, and so she was kind of. You're, you're right. She was kind of punishing herself um, for what she didn't know. You know, you know the mistakes that she made. Um, she didn't feel like you know she deserved love, and she must not have because. Her mother didn't love her, and her father, you know, walked out, and, you know, she must not have deserved it. So she was kind of punishing herself and kind of accepting what she could get because that was all that she deserved. Um, And she didn't come to know that she deserved better until much later. Mm. And, 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 we had a guest here on Off the Shelf. Um, she was in a, an abusive relationship with, she was a pastor's wife and her husband was abusive. She said it It didn't, she didn't start to come out of years of that until she asked herself, why do I think I deserve to be treated so poorly? And when she, yeah. when she, when she looked at it from that perspective, that's when it started to, you know, why do I think I deserve to be treated like this? That's right. when she started to come out. So what happened to make Kai realize that she is worthy of love? What happened to make her finally open her eyes and see that? Well, she was surrounded by love. You know, um, she was she was shown what what unconditional love looks like, and she was introduced. Jesus and that was another aspect of this unconditional love that she never experienced and so when you're surrounded by love and you're surrounded by this this unconditional love and you actually see what it looks like it 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 opens your eyes it lifts the veil and you see what's possible and so that's that's kind of what happened to her um when she when she gets into this relationship, this new relationship, and he introduces her to Jesus and he shows her how she deserves to be loved, she, it, it becomes clear to her 
that, oh, this is what I've been missing. This is what I deserve. This is what I'm worthy of. And now I'm not going to take anything less. Ah, yes, yes. So does she ever, it sounds like that you've answered the question, but does she ever accept real love? She goes from these abusive relationships. Does she ever just accept real love, or does she continue to struggle in that area? Well, she struggles for a while. I don't know anybody who just, um, who doesn't have a struggle. Um, if, If they've had these issues, you know, she struggles like most people that I know have struggled, you know, before you finally get it, before the light bulb comes on and stays on. Um, but she does struggle with it for a little bit in that in, in her trust issues, you know, when you don't value yourself and you don't, you know, you've been abused for so long, you, you have trouble trusting people. And so when she finally gets that trust issue and knowing who she can trust and, and why she can trust them, and that they deserve her trust, and she, you know, she's able to move past everything else and and kind of sit with that with that love and that, that relationship and and get over get over her past hurts and indiscretions. Why is why is her father why is her father waiting for her to come to him? Why isn't when you say father, are you talking about God, father, or her maternal father, her paternal father, her physical father? I'm talking. I'm talking about both. Um, she didn't. Ever, she never. You know, when we minister to people and we introduce them to Jesus and we tell them, "Oh, He loves you," and you kind of think, well, "Why would He? He does. You know, you don't know what I've done. Why would He love me?" So it's basically about. Um, her heavenly father waiting for her to realize that he's been with her all this time and that he's loved her and he's still waiting for her. Um, and, and, and there's a point in the book where she um, is reconciled with her natural father um, and she pushes him away because, you know, at, at a point in our lives, we feel like we don't need that guidance that uh, our earthly father can bring but um, she pushes him away, but he, you know, like much like our Heavenly Father, he loves her, and he knows that she's hurting, and he's just going to wait for her. So it's, it's, it's Where about was... both of her. Go ahead. Where was her father, though? Because he's waiting for her. How old is it? Did he grow up with her? Where is he? Is he? Has he been absent from her life? And then now he's suddenly coming back. He's been absent from her life, so he had he didn't she didn't grow up with him. And you know, they say that perception is reality. And so her perception was that he ran off and he didn't he had no interest in being a father to her. When the reality was, he didn't even know she existed until oh. um, about halfway through the book. So. You know, her perception was, well, he must not have loved me enough when that wasn't the, the truth of the matter. The truth of the matter was he didn't have any idea of her existence until, you know, until he came into her life. And once he did, um, to show her that he loves her and to show her a love beyond her imagination at that point, he was just going to wait for her to be ready to accept him. Ah, very interesting. Very interesting. Okay. Timing is that very very interesting. Uh the the uh, be still and know how you you take you bring a lot of different aspects for um Kai, her relationships into the story. Not only her relationships with Men, but then her father, and just so many, mm-hmm. you know, her, the, our eternal father did so many things that you touch on in Be Still and Know. What do you get? So, you get your where are you the, the inspiration for your titles? I love your titles. Where does the inspiration for them come from? Um, the um, the Bible mostly. <laughs> um, okay, most 
of my books will start with a scripture um, or I'll be, you know, listening to something or somebody will be ministering to me and something they say will will stick. And I usually craft the story around that. But sometimes the inspiration comes from, you know, I worked in a hospital for many years, and so sometimes I'll have a conversation with a patient, and then it'll just kind of take off into a story. Um, and then in my research and in my study, I'll, you know, the title comes to me. Um, I never try to force the title. I usually just try to, you know, wait for God to speak it to me, and then, and then they go with it. Okay. Now, can you introduce us? To as we come to our la- the last fifteen minutes in today's off the shelf show here with Cassidy, I gotta say this right, Cassetta Jefferson. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, can you introduce us, Cassetta, to your book Shades of Brown? Oh, Shades of Brown. That was probably the most fun for me to write, um, and it in- it started off as a short story. Um, that kind of evolved. Um, Shades of Brown is about four friends, um, four childhood friends who grow up, and um, and it, it's how their lives intertwine and how they support each other and how like sister like sister friends do. They fight, they argue, they don't always agree, but end of the day, they love each other, they support each other, and um, they have each other's backs. And that's what Shades of Brown is about. Four friends. So can you introduce us to Asami, Benita, Morgan, and Sienna? What are these women like? How are they similar? How are they different? If you had to just do a a character intro for each of them, how would you describe these four women? So they are so different. They are all so different, but they are all so much alike. And the story was born from a couple of my good girlfriends who, you know, we used to, you know, go and have breakfast and just kind of, you know, chop it up and talk about life and everything and, you know, health issues occur and, you know, job issues occur. But, you know, at the, you know, we end, we, we end each week. Um, together uh, having breakfast. So Asami is the more reserved, quiet-natured person. Um, So she's the one who's always going to be there for you. She might not have a whole lot to say, but she's always going to be there for you. Um, Benita is very outspoken. Um, She's got something to say about everything. (laughs) Um, I think we all have one good girlfriend like that. She always got something to say. Um, and she's the one who is most likely to fly off the handle and go be zero to ten in 2.5 seconds. So that's Bonita. Um, Morgan is your motherly figure. She's always – she just wants to take care of everybody. She's She's going to be that girlfriend who – who always has a pot of coffee and some food on the stove when you need to talk. And she's going to be the shoulder uh, for you to cry on, and she always she's going to have a good, a good hug for you, waiting for you. Um, she's, she's the one who, who's got whatever they need. Um, and Sienna, Sienna is my favorite. She is the voice of reason. She is um, – everyone's go-to. She's, she's always got a good word of wisdom. She's, um, she's, she's got your back, whatever you need. She can help you find it. Um, you know, she's, she's, she's my feminine version of hustle man. She, you know, she's, she's got a word for you. She's got, um, if you need, um, a social security number. She's got your back. You know, if you need some cookware, she know where to find it. She's that girlfriend, but she's she's always got you. Okay, they all sound like phenomenal women in their own way. They all bring something uh, amazing to me to to the table. Now, how is uh, Asami, Benita, Morgan, and Sienna these four amazing women? How is their friendship tested? In shades of brown. 
Oh, man, much like life. You know, you know, Morgan has some health concerns. She has, um, some, you know, tragedy strikes her home. You know, she has a, um, a husband who gets into a, a, a very tra- a tragic car accident. Um, one of the other um, women, Bonita, she has um, some health, a health crisis of her own. It's a life or death. A situation and her faith is tested. You know, she has to ask herself: Is she really gonna believe um, what this Bible says? Um, another one of them, um, Asami, um, which was probably my most difficult to write. She had um, faced miscarriages and trouble uh, conceiving, and so she had those struggles going on and, you know, trying to deal with, um, have faith enough for her husband, her husband's lack of faith and, you know, those kinds of issues. And then my girl Sienna, um, she had, um, she's dealing with uh, a new business and, um, you know, opening, starting up a business and stepping out on faith in that respect. And then, um, dealing with some things that she's done in her past as far as giving up a child for adoption and having that child come back to her. So it's a, there's a lot of life challenges in the in the pages of these books. They're, they're, but their friendship, their friendship with each other, does that get tested? I mean, they're going through their challenges, and you you it definitely sounds like you have enough conflict in the story to keep readers turning the pages. Do they? It sounds like these women they never turn on each other. Which they have a real, true, deep friendship bond. It sounds like. Oh yeah, but you know, you know, we, you know, our our girlfriend tries to tell us something that we don't want to hear. That's, you know, that's not what we want to hear at this time. I want you to commiserate with me. I don't want your sage advice. And But, yeah, their friendship is tested because, you know, you don't, you don't want to always hear what, what's best for you or what somebody else might think is best for you um, and what they think might not be what you know. And so, yeah, their friendship is tested. It's, it's it's kind of like um, if you don't agree with me, why why are you why are you here with me? You know, it's are you really my friend, or are you you know are you just here for the show? That kind of thing. So yeah, their friendship okay. is definitely tested. Now, what type of writing process you've written for an anthology? One of your novels started as a short story. One you wrote on a dare. You can't write a novel in seven days, and you pulled it off. What type of writing process do you follow when you're putting together a, a story, be it for an anthology, a short story, or a novel? Do you do you begin with an outline? Do you do character sketches? For our listeners who themselves are writers, what what type of process do you follow when you're creating a story? Um, you know, I'm kind of a, a a fly by the seat of my pants kind of girl. <laughs> I tried uh, outline. Outlines don't usually work for me, so I I have a general outline. It's really um, generic. Um, may you know maybe so many chapters. This happens at the beginning. This happens at the end, and then I fill in the middle. Um, I usually I try to stick with the schedule. Um, lately, my writing schedule hasn't. Um, I haven't been able to stick to it, but I, I have a schedule. I start writing at a particular time, and I will go usually until um, a stopping time. And I try to stick to that. Uh, sometimes I go way beyond the stopping time, but um, it always I always start with prayer and meditation, and I try to see, visualize the end of the book. Um, so all that stuff in the middle happens. Um, and I know kind of where I want to end. So I usually, I'll say it this way to make it easy for people who are listening. I start with the end. I know where I want to start, and I know where I want to end, and I start writing the book with the end in mind. Ah, I've heard somebody else share that 
that tip as an author? How do you want to start with the end in mind? Can you can you please share three to four steps that you take uh, that you found to be effective at getting the word out about your stories and books? Um, first of all, word of mouth. Word of mouth is so key. Um, people don't necessarily buy your product if they don't like and trust and know you. So you want to get to know people and let them know you, um, not the facade that, you know, that you might want them to know, but, but know the real you. And um, and then let them know that you, you have this project out, you're writing this book, you're working on it, and then the word spreads from there. That person tells somebody else, they tell three or four of their friends, they share it on social media, um, and so word of mouth is, a, is key. Also partnering with, um, with people who, who've got this marketing uh, promotion things down, people like <laughs> Paulette Harper, who's, who's got a good handle on it. So you partner with um, people who can help you get the word out about your project. Uh, social media is so important. I've been I've had a a social media fast for a while, but I'm I'm gonna be back on social media. Just it's a, it's so such an effective key to promotion. Um, and then just um j- just uh tell tell your story. Tell your story. Just m- much like we've done here when I'm having coffee with my girlfriends. Just kind of telling your story, and that gets them engaged and invested, and so they want to share it. Yeah, so word of mouth, social media, and partnering with good, effective promotion and marketing specialists. Okay, well, thank you for sharing those tips. And then the writing one for the, the those who are looking to write a book, maybe you try starting with the end in mind and then take your writing from there. Now, where can listeners, off-the-shelf listeners, get copies of your books, Cassetta? Um, you can get them on Amazon. They are all available on Amazon.com. Also, um, my website is now back up and running. It's www.cassettajefferson. Oh no, I'm sorry. Dot ArthurCassettaJefferson.com. I had to change it up a little bit. Um, they're available at the website and also on Facebook. Um, you can shop on Facebook if you go to my. Um, author page, Cassetta Jefferson. Um, you can find me on Facebook and you can purchase there. Um, or you can purchase from me directly um, in and around the city. I usually have a couple of books with me. Um, if you see me, flag me down, stop me, send me a text message, I have you. <laughs> now, now if, if this is in Las Vegas, uh, if you see her in Vegas, which is a town where so much is happening. She says she keeps, and it's speaking about keeping books on you, uh, do you have any upcoming speaking engagements? And if so, can you share some of the upcoming events you're going to be at, whether you're speaking, doing a book signing, et cetera? You know, um, the anthology, um, we will have a, um, the ladies who uh, shared in this anthology series with me, there will be a um, – book signing and um, a speaking engagement at the San Pablo Library, um, and that's going to be on November the 10th um, there at the library um, starting at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. One, I'm sorry, one thirty to 5 o'clock p.m., and that's on November 10th. I'm I'm not in the, in the area, so it's going to be kind of a challenge, so I'm probably not going to make it there. Um, but definitely if you're in the San Pablo area, that's in Northern California, please, please, please go out. You will not be disappointed. These are some phenomenal women, and uh, you do want to hear what they have to say. Yeah, and Miss Paulette, she's got it going. She's going to get that around. from the edges. And what a powerful <laughs> stories in there. And I thank you for the story you shared in Arise from the Ashes, and also for the books that you write, and not only to entertain, but to encourage and inspire them to our off-the-shelf listeners as we come to an end to today's show. We have had the absolute pleasure of speaking with Ms. Cassetta Jefferson, and she is the author 
She has a story in Arise from the Ashes, which is an anthology, and her story is titled Not Forgotten After the Storm. She's also the author of the books Shades of Brown, Be Still and Know, and Timing is Everything. And she gave us her website URL, and you guys can go check her out at Arthur, C-A-S-S-I-E-T-T-A, J-E-F-F-E-R-S-O-N.com, Arthur Cassetta Jefferson. Dot com. She's on Facebook and and are you on Twitter as well? I know you said you're gonna get back out there on the social media. You know I am on Twitter, um, author C Jefferson on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna get back out there. <laughs> okay, we're looking forward to seeing you out there. And remember, you guys, what we started with this morning: the past cannot be changed, the future is yet. In your power, we want to thank author Cassetta Jefferson. Please go out and get a copy of her book, as well as get a copy of Love for Over Me. We want to thank Cassetta for being here with us uh, today and taking time, her precious time, to join us here on Off the Shelf this morning. Please set your set your clock. Just write a note on your calendar that you're going to tune in to Off the Shelf every Saturday morning at 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time or New York City time. There's so much, so much you can gain from listening to Off the Shelf. And remember this Sunday to set your clock back an hour if you're in the United States in an area that 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 honors uh, daylight savings time. We fall back an hour November the 4th, so just sending you a reminder to do that. And remember that you are incredible, you're awesome, you're amazing. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. See you back here next Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Cassetta, I'll shoot you an email when the show finishes streaming. Bye for now.